Hey, welcome to week three, everybody, of our message series called Song List. And uh, we've been sharing this uh, message. Let me really quickly just explain the premise. So we've pointed out uh, that a song really unfolds uh, with three main components. You have verses within a song. They kind of tell the story of the song. Then you've got the chorus of the song that gets repeated throughout it. And it's kind of the theme or the anthem of a song. And then you'll have a, a, a bridge that will kind of tie everything together. And I think that that's really how life happens. So we have these verses, these storylines of our existence. And then, of course, there's that chorus or that anthem or that theme of our life itself that gets repeated again and again throughout it all. And then periodically, uh, there's a bridge to cross, some transition that we're facing that kind of connects it all together. Life is so much like that. And so what we've done in this series is we have pointed out three of the most important life songs you're ever going to compose with how you do life. In week one, we talked about marriage and relationships. Uh, we called the message love songs. In week two, we talked about parenting and raising children. And we called it lullabies. And today, I want to wrap up this series by talking to you about lauds, love songs, lullabies, and now lauds. And if you don't know what a laud is, because it is kind of an ancient term, it's kind of Shakespearean, that old English, but a laud is just really a song, and particularly a song of worship, right? And... Um, so we don't use that word a whole lot anymore. The most common form of that term that we use today, we put an A and a P in front of it, and, and we applaud, right? That's, that's the root of that is that whole idea of laud. And uh, we do a lot of that here. We were at one time thinking about changing the name of Crossroads Church to Clap Church because we clap all the time, don't we? Right? We clap all the time. That was your perfect cue to start clapping, and you didn't do it. But anyway, so when you do that, you're giving an applaud on our applause. And, um, and so what we have there is a use of that term uh, where we show appreciation, we show gratitude, and there's no one more worthy of that expression than God himself. So, so y'all, the Lord belongs to God. That's my message. Have a great day. No, no, I got more. I have a little more to share with you. But the Lord of our life belongs to God. God is the one who is worthy of our worship and our adoration. And I want to focus on that with you today. In fact, let me just say of all the life songs that you are going to compose over time, our true life song is worship. Do you believe that? Say, I do. Our true life song is worship. I want to go to 1 Thessalonians with you to get this started. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Here's what the Bible says. It says, be careful, or I'm sorry, be thankful rather. Be careful to be thankful in all circumstances. He says, be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you 
who belong to Christ Jesus. So often we, we just struggle and wrestle with the will of God. What, what's God's will for me? You know, what, what does God want me to do with my life? Well, it's right there, y'all, in black and white in this inspired passage of Scripture that Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica. He says, be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will. God's will is for us to be thankful in all circumstances. And I think it's important to note here that he says we should be thankful in all circumstances. He didn't tell us to be thankful for all circumstances. Come on, y'all. There are some circumstances we find ourselves in that we can't really be thankful for. In fact, it's the enemy of our soul maybe that's put us in those circumstances. And so he doesn't tell us that we necessarily need to be thankful for them, but he does say we need to be thankful in them. That even in those difficult times, those hard times, those dark places of our existence, God's still worthy of our praise. What's the Bible telling us here? It's saying no matter what verse of your life song you're in right now, the chorus should still be worship. This, this verse that you're in right now, you may have never selected it for yourself. It's nothing you would have chosen. It's nothing you saw coming. It's nothing that you expected. It hits you. It blindsided you. And you're reeling from it this morning. And it's a dark place. This verse of your life song may be a dark place, a painful place, a difficult place. But he's still worthy of our worship. Because he's God. And you see, worship isn't something we give God because of what he's done for us. Worship is what we give God because of who he is. He is God. And let me tell you something. If he never did another thing for me, he died on that cross for my sins, and so he's forever worthy of my worship. He's God He's God Almighty, God all-powerful, God all-knowing. Come on, he's God who created me, and he's worthy of my worship. Whatever verse of my life song I'm in, the chorus has to remain. God, I worship you. God, I thank you. God, I praise you. Listen to Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, because here's what's so interesting about this whole idea of worship as a life song. It's why you were created. It's why you exist. Again, so often we struggle with the will of God or, or we, we wonder what our purpose is in life, why we were ever even born, but the Bible tells us that too. We see this in, in, in the revelation that John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, was given in chapter four of that book. Here's what he writes, as God gives them this vision of what's to come at the end of time. There are glimpses in that revelation of heaven and what's happening in heaven now and in the future. And what we see in that glimpse of heaven that God gives to John in his revelation, chapter 4, verse 11, there are, are people and created beings surrounding the throne of God and they're giving him their laud. They're giving him their praise. And here's what they're saying. We get to kind of eavesdrop on that exchange between them and the creator. Here's what they're saying. 
Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. Watch this. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. Did you see why we were created? To bring pleasure to the heart of God. And it's our worship that pleases him. When we worship him with our life song, when we give him our adoration, the praise that's due his name, we please the heart of God. And it's the very reason why we exist, y'all. We exist to bring pleasure to God through our praise. So let me just warn you that if you've not given yourself over to this, this, this divine purpose for which you were created. You are never, ever going to find any kind of real fulfillment in life. You're never going to find true fulfillment in life until you turn yourself over to the divine purpose for which you were created. What is that? Worshiping God. And so I appeal to you today, become that worshiper that God created you to be. Turn your life over to him and live your life for his glory. It's the only way you'll never experience life to the fullest. And it's certainly the only way that you'll ever know eternal life with God. We'll get to all of that here in just a few minutes. But I want you to see today that if you're curious about the will of God, it's to worship him in every circumstance, every verse of the life song you're composing. If you're wondering about your purpose and why you exist, it's to be a worshiper and to give God praise. So I want to talk a little bit about praise with you over the next few minutes. And I've done this before, but I need to do this regularly so that all of us understand and all of us are reminded of what it is that God's looking for in our praise. You know, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. Now I've been in pastoral ministry for almost 40 years, Don and I. And so I've heard a lot of times through my life, people say something that's just such a, a gross misrepresentation of what the Bible declares. I'm talking about people in ministry, people on a stage. I've heard them say, hey, just worship God in your own way. And what they're saying there is, hey, we're all different, right? We've got different backgrounds. We're wired differently. So you'd just be you and you worship God in your own way. The problem with that is God said our ways are not his ways. In fact, he said his ways are higher than our ways, than the heavens are above the earth. And so I don't need to worship God my way. I need to worship God his way. You don't need to worship God your way. We need to worship God his way. And the Bible is very, very detailed when it comes to the praise that God wants from us, that God expects from us. And so I wanna just do a, a quick study. Is it okay if we do a Bible study today? Y'all all right with that? And I wanna give you uh, the seven Hebrew words that we translate in the English version of the Bible, praise or worship or something along those lines. There are seven Hebrew words that have distinct meanings and they show us how God is to be praised. And so we don't leave that up to ourselves and what we feel like in the moment. There are some times when we really feel like expressing our worship for God. And boy, it just kind of is bubbling over. And then there are other times when we don't feel like it at all, but he's still worthy. And so we want to praise him in the way that he's prescribed. Can I get a better amen? The first of these uh, seven Hebrew words is the word halal. Everybody say halal. 
I'm going to let you speak a little Hebrew today. That all right with y'all? Halal. It means to boast in the Lord. To halal means to make your boast in the Lord. It's a way of expressing your praise and your adoration for God. It's just to praise him for who he is. And again, remember, we don't worship him simply because of what he's done. We worship him because of who he is. And it's the halal that allows us to do that, to praise him, to, to praise all the attributes of God. This word halal is the root of the term hallelujah that we read throughout the Bible. And you might not know this, but it's the same word. It's pronounced the same in every language around the world. Every uh, language treats that word the same. And it's so interesting that the Bible tells us to make our boast in the Lord and to engage in a halal before the Lord. Psalm chapter 63 and verse 3 says, because your love is better than life. Oh, I love the way that's worded. God, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you, or halal. My lips will glorify you. Our love and our adoration for God needs to be expressed. We need to tell God we love him. We need to express the awe that we stand in before him. Listen, your words are powerful, and you might feel a great love for God, but that needs to be expressed in the form of words. We need to tell him. We need to express it. And I want us to just stop for just a moment here in the auditorium as well as all of you that are online. And I want us to just engage in a halal. Come on. If you love God and you believe that God exists and that he is the divine creator, the almighty, all-powerful God, will you just take a minute right now? Join me. Lift your hands to heaven, and let's just tell him how much we love him. Come on, everybody engage. Right out loud, tell him, Lord, we love you today. God, you're so good and so worthy of our praise. Come on, let him hear you. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, great and powerful God, almighty God. We bless the name of our God. We love you today, Lord. We praise your great name. Hey, you guys, halal real well. Good job, everybody. Second Hebrew word that I want to share with you is the word yada, and it means to lift one's hands. And I love this. Maybe when you first showed up at Crossroads Church, you might have come from maybe a different kind of religious background, or maybe you didn't have any kind of spiritual background at all, and you got here, and you saw all these people with their hands lifted, and you were going, well, this is different. I love this expression of our worship. Because in reality, I express my love for the people closest to me with my words, but there's no one I lift my hands to but God. So this is an expression of our worship reserved for God alone. Well, let me take that back. There, there is a minute when sometimes we do this, but usually it's because somebody's standing before us with a gun pointed at us, right? It's a universal sign of surrender, and that makes this particular form of our worship a very special one because we are surrendering to God. We're surrendering to the call of God, the purpose for which we were created. We're, we're surrendering uh, to, to why we were created when we lift our hands and we give our praise to God. We're surrendering to all of that. Psalm 134 and verse 2 says, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. When you come together with God's people in a setting like this, it's so appropriate that we lift our hands in the sanctuary and we praise the Lord. We engage in that yada. 
that expression of worship where we lift our hands to the Lord. Third Hebrew word that we see in Scripture again and again and again is the Hebrew word tahilah, not tequila. I, I know, you know, listen, I, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. It's the word tahilah, and it literally means to sing. And we were just doing that a few moments ago, lifting our voices and putting a, a melody to those words where we express our thanksgiving to God, we express our adoration for the Lord, and we do that again through a melody. We sing our worship to the Lord. Psalm 40, verse 3 said, He put a new song in my mouth. Come on, y'all don't sing the same old songs you used to sing. Aren't you glad for a new song? He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. The reason I love the whole uh, tahilah form of worship is because it's so intimate. Think about that for just a minute. We don't just sing to people. You don't go to the bank and walk in and approach the teller and go, I'd like to make a deposit. You know, we don't, we, we don't do that. I mean, when we do sing to someone, it's a very intimate thing. I have a, a little one-year-old granddaughter that I am just crazy about, and we get the blessing of, of having her uh, pretty often, and a lot of times I'll just I'll just sit with her in my arms and, and I'll just sing over her. You know, we talked last week about the lullabies. I'll sing little lullabies over her. Not those crazy ones that talk about wolves sneaking into her room and carrying her off into the Those are some crazy songs around the world that people sing to their children. No, I'll sing some sweet little lullabies to her. And it's a very intimate expression to a little girl that means the world to me. And um, think about how this form or this expression of our adoration for God is such an intimate thing where we sing to the Lord. Number four, the fourth Hebrew word that we see again and again in Scripture that we translate praise is the word zemar, and it means to play an instrument. And again, just a few moments ago, right here on this stage, man, some of the most gifted musicians were here just making music to the glory of God. Aren't you thankful to be able to see them using their talent to glorify the Lord? Come on, clap, church. We appreciate them. And this is uh, one of those Hebrew words that means to praise, and it's to, to praise God by the use of a musical instrument. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, the Bible talks about us speaking to one another with psalms, with hymns and songs from the Spirit. And then he says for us to sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And so when we use those instruments to glorify God, it's one of the ways that we engage in worshiping God right there with our instrument. When I was... Um, uh, a young man, and I just got saved. I just turned my heart, my life over to the Lord. My aspiration as a young man was to be in the music business. And, and so um, when I felt like God was calling me into ministry, I assumed that it was going to be musical. And so, man, first thing I did was form a band and start writing Christian songs. And we started traveling and, and, and uh, using that platform to reach people with the gospel. And uh, I was talking to a friend about it at work one day, and this religious guy walked up to me, and his particular 
religious persuasion, they don't use musical instruments in church. And so he came up, he overheard the conversation, he came up and he said, you guys have drums in your church? You have guitars and amplifiers and all that in your church? And he started just criticizing me and bagging on me about it. And he said, man, that's not scriptural. And I was, I, I was clueless. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, man, go to the book of Acts. You don't see any musical instruments mentioned in the book of Acts. Now, at that stage, I was saved, but I wasn't really sanctified. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And that started hacking me off. And I just looked at him and I said, oh, yeah? I said, hey, buddy, you got bathrooms in your church? He said, yeah. I said, you have toilets? Yes. He said, yes, we do. I said, you need to go to the book of Acts. I don't see any mention of a toilet in the book of Acts. You need to find yourself a tree next Sunday morning. Come on, y'all. I'm so thankful that we can take these instruments and instead of leaving it in the hands of the devil's crowd to bring him glory, come on, we can use these instruments to glorify the God that gave us the talent. Come on, give God praise today. He's worthy of our praise. The next two Hebrew words basically mean the same thing. There's two different words, but they basically mean the same thing. So I'll give you this, the, the two of them together. They're the two words, tadah and shabak. Tadah and shabak. Everybody say shabak. Got to kind of make that little sound if you're going to really be a Hebrew here with me today. So tadah and shabak mean to shout, to shout. When I was a kid growing up in church, in our little Assembly of God church I grew up in, there was this one guy, I remember him so well, Earl Purdy, we called him Brother Purdy. Earl Purdy, when he really started getting excited and the Holy Spirit would move on him. I mean, you could see it building up, man, in him. You know what I'm saying? And man, it just get to a point where he would jump up off the pew, throw up his hands, and he would say, well, glory, to the top of his voice. It used to scare the snot out of me, man, as a kid. But today I appreciate Brother Purdy because I know what it's like to have a shout of praise in my heart to God. And you know what? There are those that would criticize a church like ours for allowing people to express themselves along those lines. And you know my answer to that is, are you kidding me? You're going to tell me it's okay to go down to Death Valley at an LSU game, to come here to the Cajun Dome at a, a Cajun game and shout for some football players, but we can't give a shout to the Almighty God who loved us and gave himself far. Come on, somebody shout your praise to God in this house today. Glory to God. And what we're doing there is we're engaging in that, that word, Tadah, Shabbat, we're bringing that shout to the Lord. Psalm 32, verse 11 said, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. Watch this. And shout for joy, all you upright in heart. I think it's important to point out, he didn't say shout because of joy. Again, sometimes when we feel that elation, it's easy, you know, to make the expression. But he said, shout for joy. Come on, if you're on a low limb today. If you don't have a whole lot of the feeling in your heart, maybe if you'd go on and engage in what God is worthy of anyhow, if you'd just go ahead and give him that shout 
regardless of what verse of the song you're in, maybe the joy would come that you so need from God this morning. Joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Joy that the Bible said is our very strength. Shout for joy. The last Hebrew term that I see again, again, and again in Scripture that means to praise God is the term barak. And it literally means to bless. It means to bless. Psalm 34 verse 1 said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Again, it doesn't matter what verse of the song I'm in. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's what it means to barak. It means to bless the Lord. There are some connotations to the word that indicate uh, kneeling before the Lord or showing honor and respect to the Lord in that way. But I love this translation. I love the idea of blessing God. Because, you know, I'm a blessed man. God blesses me so much more than I deserve. Can I get a better amen here? You're saying that about me? I'm, I, I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm more blessed than I deserve. We all are, aren't we? We're so blessed. And I can remember as a young Christian reading through the Psalms and finding verses like this where the psalmist talks about blessing the Lord. And I thought, how in the world, how in the world can I bless him? He blesses me so much, but how can I bless him? And then I begin to see that it's my praise that blesses God when I give him the worship that I was created to give him, it blesses his heart. Don't you want to bless the heart of God? Then we need to engage today in the halal, in the yada, in the tehillah, the zamar, the todah, the shabak, the barak. We need to engage in all these forms of worship. They need to be our very life song that we compose in how we live. And that brings me to this last observation I want to make with you today. And that is that the life song of worship isn't just singing songs or attending services. Worship's how we live, y'all. Worship's how we live. It's what we do with our life. It's how we treat people. It's, it's the way we go about our life's work. All of that, y'all. Everything about our life should be a way of worshiping God. And we should approach it all that way. God, this is me worshiping you. Again, and how I treat people and how I go about my, my day and, and, and what I give myself to. God, I'm going to worship you. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I think this puts it in such great perspective. Romans chapter 1, or tw chapter 12, verse 1. Paul's writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Here's what he says. So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves. Come on, not a song, not a service you're attending. He says, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. And then Paul goes on to say, by inspiration, this is the true worship you should offer. What is the true worship you should offer? Yourself. You are the worship we offer to God. It's ourselves. 
when we live our lives to his glory, every decision is made to his glory. Every action is taken, come on y'all, to his glory. That's what real worship looks like. I'm afraid that we have reduced the concept of worship to an hour and a half on Sunday morning, to a, a location somewhere in town for you at the, I-10 of, uh, at the corner of I-10 and I-49 or maybe for others across town on Dulles or, or wherever. We've reduced the concept of worship to a, a type of music that we could select on Spotify. When worship is how we live our lives. There's something that I'm calling a phenomenon, and, it, and I know there's probably a technological explanation for it. I'm not that tech savvy, so it's beyond my understanding, and it seems miraculous to me. <laughs> something that's happened, man, a number of times now. I have a, in my car, I have one of those um, entertainment centers that you can sync with your, your phone so that your calendar's right there in the car with you, your text messages are right there in the car with you, and your music's right there in the car with you, and it Bluetooths and syncs, and it's a very, very handy, um, convenient you know, thing that I've got there, and the last two cars that I've owned have had it, and I, I, it, I use it all the time. I, I don't use Apple Music as my music platform. I use Spotify. I, I'm not like, <laughs> I know there's this little thing going between you guys. Listen, uh, I'm not endorsing one over the other. It's just the, it's the, my selection. And, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because every once in a while, very randomly, the Apple platform, which I have the app on my, on my phone, and so the Apple platform kicks in, just unexplainably, it kicks in. Y'all, this is so crazy. There's only one song, though, that it plays. It's an old Matt Redman song from the early 2000s called The Heart of Worship. And it's so random. It happens, you know, it's happened probably, I don't know, 15, 16 times over the last two or three years. I'll start up the car, and when I was in the car before, I was listening to something on Spotify, and all of a sudden, this override happens, and Matt starts reminding me. Seemingly, through supernatural circumstances, my car and Matt Redmond starts reminding me that when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart, and I'm coming back to the heart of Jesus, or the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. Because it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. This life song, 
we're composing. It's all about him. So worship has to be at the top of our song list. Well, thank you so much for joining us for today's message. You may be someone who's never really put your trust and your faith in Jesus as your own personal Lord and Savior. Uh, maybe you're not really living for God, you're just living for you, but down in your heart, you know something's not quite right and you, you need to get right with God. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that right now. You know, the Bible makes it clear that all of us are sinners and all of us need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. He died on the cross for my sins, for your sins. And the scriptures tell us that if we'll simply put our trust and our faith in Him, if we'll turn our lives over to Him, that He'll forgive our sins. He'll make us right with God. He'll give us a brand new life here and now and an eternal life when this life is over. If you have no assurance of that, but you want that assurance today, then let me encourage you. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God loves you and he longs to save you. He's just waiting on you to call on him. So we're gonna do that together right now by praying a very simple prayer. And I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Just repeat the words of this prayer after me, but let them come right from your heart and mean them with all your heart. And God's gonna hear your prayer. He's going to forgive your sins and he's gonna make you right with God. Let's, let's pray together right now. Dear God, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner and I know my sin separates me from God. I don't want that. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me and rose again. And through faith in Jesus, I believe my life can change. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive all my sin and change my life. Be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I don't live for me anymore or this world. God, I want to live for you. Help me to do that. And God, I thank you right now, even as I pray, according to your promise, my sins are forgiven. I'm now right with God. I am saved. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with us, we want to know about it. We want to celebrate with you. We want to pray with you. We want to give you some next steps to take. And so why don't you just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to the number in the description below or click on the link and let us know you've committed your heart and life to Jesus. Someone will get back with you and pray with you and give you those next steps. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us for the message today, for praying with us. God richly bless you as our prayer for you today.